to the second hour of Student Radio Maastricht. Um, you are listening to Galen Lee, Someday Will Linger in the Sun. This is an amazing musician. Um, she actually, she got became famous um, in I think 2016 when she won the Tiny Desk, the Tiny Desk Contest for NPR um, with this specific song. And she has osteogenesis imperfecta, which is a disorder that affects the growing of your bones, which leads us into, dis- into today's discussion, ableism. Um, as my guests, we have Katinka. Hello. Salome. Hi. And Kwesi. Hola. Yeah. Um, so, ableism. So, just to give a basic, a basic uh, definition of ableism, ableism is just a term for discrimination and social prejudice against people with disabilities and or people who are perceived to be disabled. And so it characterizes people who are defined by their disabilities as inferior to the non-disabled. Yeah, I think we all can definitely recognize how this is an just, issue. Just in another general. ism. Yeah, it's another <laughs> ism. Yeah, definitely that. Definitely that. Um, but it's also really, really pervasive, and it's something that I feel like a lot of people don't really understand. You know how really widespread it is. I also think that a lot of people don't even know that it exists or know the word. Um, just the whole concept of of ableism is very unknown to a lot of people. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, think of it, I mean, if most of us here, I think everyone here is pretty much able-bodied. Some of us have some neurodivergences, myself included. You can think of you're dyslexic as well. Yeah, and I have also kind of a physical disability. You don't see it, so... Invisible disabilities are a thing. I have been really doing really good in hiding it for society. (laughs) Exactly, which I think 
is an issue. You shouldn't necessarily have to do that thing. Yeah. Have to do that. Um, and it's, we live in a world that is really built for the able-bodied. And so, I don't know, for me, I don't really like thinking of people as able-bodied. Some people actually like thinking of, like to think of us as temporarily not disabled. Because at some point, you're going to need help in some way, you know, sometimes yeah. someday your bones are going to go, your muscles are going to get weaker. And, you know, you, these kind of things that we do to make the world more accessible, they end up helping everyone. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, let's lead to our second. Let's go to our second song just to start the discussion. Um, this is by an actually a deaf rapper by the name of Sean Forbes. It is called Two Blown Speakers. Mm. Uh, just a sec. From the music too loud No more short stacks next to the crib Wasn't anything my older brother did Seems a little fate turned into a win Now the band and I are going town to town But many say it's against all odds It keeps us going, the applaud Watch the react to the songs And the road with the crew Sharing stories in hotel rooms Making a living with my two blown speakers Making a living with my two blown speakers Always thank my mom and my from stages and theaters Making a living with my two blown speakers Making a living with my two blown speakers People we meet along the way Have such an effect in so many ways Not everyone loves you but there's always enough In almost every town the media shows up I think we're taking advantage of the situation Being taken of a sense that was taken But in many ways it's for the people who said I'd never talk Too much of a DB law It all just pissed me off We're propelled this thing to take off Never stop going, never get lost That's what happens But determination and anger cross Making a living with my two blown speakers Making a living with my two blown speakers Always take my mind Have the challenges of every band Living in tight quarters, remaining friends Our common goals have a message to send Sometimes I have to play the boss and reprimand By burning the candle of both ends Let me get back up on the stage Jumping the wave in the hands Come back together like the next of kin And on each other's lived to back down the road again Now I miss home and every town has its similarities Smoke sex, build in churches, penitentiaries To people you meet that gives your shitty personality We've met characters and individuals on our journeys Can't wait to share our stories back home with the families The experience we have will always be near to the band of me Glad to be here and in many ways we'll be sad to leave Making a living with my two blown speakers Making a living with my two blown speakers Always thank my mom and my teachers From stages and theaters Making a living with my two blown speakers Making a living with my two blown speakers Feel the subs can't hear the tweeters Making a living with my two blown speakers
This is Two Blown Speakers by Sean Forbes. You're listening to Student Radio Maastricht on 107.5 FM. This is Zaki speaking here with our other people in the in the here in the studio. Uh, there's Katinka. Hello. Salome. Bonjour. And Kwesi. Hello, hello, hello. Yes. So right now we're talking about ableism and so I think in order to first define what ableism is, we have to actually try to define what disability is. Mm-hmm. And there are even dis- even disabled people, there's a whole discussion over what it means to actually be disabled. There's really two models. Um, one model one model that's been used most of the time throughout history is the medical model, where disability is just, you know, it's linked to one's body. You know, it's like, okay, if you're disabled, if you cannot walk, um, then that is a disab- disability. You have to learn how to walk in order to fix that. Whereas there's also nowadays the social model, which is coming more to the forefront, where it's like, okay, you may, everyone has different, psych- different physical, sensory, intellectual, physical variations that may cause impairments, but it's actually society that's failing to be accessible that makes people disabled. Preach. Yes. I Zaki, <laughs> preach. I, I 100 million thousand gazillion percent agree with that. Because uh, I, I actually don't really believe in disabilities. But I do believe that we create a society that excludes certain people. And that is where the disabilities started. Because yeah. I'm, I'm building this space. You do not fit in this space. So there's something wrong with you. Exactly. Do you have any first-hand experience with this? I mean, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Where should I, how long? We only have an hour, right? <laughs> I mean, for this section, we have like six minutes, you know. But I mean, if you because I'm I'm sure that you have some like stories to tell about, you know, to make it more approachable to the audience yeah, to like explain st- stories for days to like explain how you know because maybe there's people who have never even been approached or seen disability. Salome, you may t- you, I see you have something to say. <laughs> I just want to introduce it maybe in a very low-key way to show you that this is not also just about, for example, people not being able to walk. But for me, for example, in a very yeah um, uh, different perspective, uh, I am very small. <laughs> and in school, I remember that I was very often not taken seriously because of that. And people just didn't listen to me or didn't believe me when I said something, which is, of course not in the way that you mean it here, but just to show you that your appearance can often make you feel, make you seem that you're not able to do something. Yeah, yeah exactly, because you're not able to, to get something from the bigger shell, so you're not mm-hmm. able to exactly. jump as high with gym, so you get a lower grade, stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, for me, it's really, I mean, in high school, growing up from, I think I was 14 when I got diagnosed um, diagnosed with dyslexia. It sounds so heavy, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is something that haunted me for years. I mean, first I was to accept, I had to accept that I ha- I had dyslexia. That's really you know what what gets thrown in your face. This is something you have. This is something that you cannot do. They even told me that uh, I uh, didn't have to give. Um, how do you say spreekbeurten like presentations mm-hmm. anymore so you i came special rights yeah even. yeah because of my dyslexia so i didn't have to do that anymore no more presentations for me and i came home crying to my mom i'm like mom i'm not allowed to give presentations yeah. anymore because of my dyslexia because you guys i mean you know me a little bit i love speaking i love talking <laughs> i love educating people and you've been so, a host on student video maastricht it shows that you're pretty well you're pretty darn good at yeah. giving presentations and it goes beyond that because uh, then i wanted to go to the conservatory study music uh, I signed up 
Hira Maastricht and in Tilburg. And in Tilburg went to like an open day. And my mom asked them, she went with me, I was 17 years old. And my mom asked them like, what what do you have, uh, how do you facilitate people with dyslexia? And this guy said, well, um, we have facilities for that, but we don't really like it because you have dyslexia and you're also, uh, you have to teach children music. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean, I have dyslexia, I'm not like, a dumbass. I don't know. I, I, what, what does one have to do with another? And they literally said that they don't really like to uh, accept people with dyslexia or mm -hmm. different learning disabilities. And I was just like, what the fuck does this have to do with my ability to teach or practice music? Exactly, exactly that. If anything, I am better because I have a super amazing creative musical mind. You know, it's just, yeah, that made me, I'm still mad. I'm still mad. <laughs> no, but, you know, that is something that can actually force people to hide their disability. Yep. And, you know, people it forces them to struggle throughout their school experience because they're so ashamed of actually saying, okay, I have the dyslexia or I have a learning disability, which can actually lead to long-term, you know, mental stress. It's damaging. It's very damaging because you're not accepting a part of yourself. As a key, I know you have the same thing with your ADHD. Uh, it's, it's a process of accepting not what do I have, but who am I? Because my dyslexia is just part of who I am and it makes me able to do a lot of things that other people do not do. And that's amazing, but I never saw it like that until a few years ago, well, quite a lot of years ago. I'm getting old. <laughs> but yeah, it's not something that in our system was ever shown to me because it's always a disability, a learning disability. Something's wrong, uh, not even being invited to an audition because of that. Yeah, and I could you said about crazy about how People, force people to hide their disabilities because this is something that actually has been that actually been forced on people for a long period of time, particularly in deaf culture. Um, actually, in 1880, there was a conference in Milan of educators of deaf people, and it was a conference. So, only of all these educators, only one of them was actually deaf, and they decided that oral education would be superior to manual education for because they thought that you would be able to formulate ideas more clearly. And when I say Oral education, I mean teaching deaf people, people who cannot hear, to speak and to speak and read lips as opposed to actually teaching yeah. them sign language. Um, they later apologized this in, two, in 2010. But this led to you know, a lot of people just being literally deprived of language. They yeah. could not speak their, speak their minds because it's, it's very extraordinarily, extraordinarily difficult. And to, to, it's extraordinarily difficult to just try to acquire language in this way without, if you cannot like, if you cannot actually like speak in a way that you can understand. Oh. And yeah, it, it's led to, yeah. So deaf people for a long time have been deprived of language. And even nowadays you see how the world is really built around people who can hear. Think about how only like, putting subtitles on videos online has only been a very recent thing thanks to like mm -hmm. TikTok and things like this. But oh. yeah, it's, it's really, really hurts everyone. That's people deciding over others who don't know what others go through, who don't have this disability. And so, because you see the, the sign language is there in every press conference, right? Because that's important mm -hmm. news. But why do we facilitate that for a press conference and why do we not facilitate that for the next Formula One race? Because mm -hmm. that might be just as important for somebody or maybe even 
more interesting. Exactly. Right? I mean, I remember hearing a story from a friend of mine who was at the time was living in, I believe, Texas, where they have tornadoes and things like this. And so at one point they heard a siren and they go downstairs. And they, meanwhile, they're like in their basement and they're texting their friend who happens to be deaf. And they're and and they're texting they're texting them. And the woman they're like, wait, um, are you in your tornado shelter? And the friend's like, um, no, why? And the friend and my and the friend and my friend is like, okay, get go to your shelter right now, like seriously. Because he doesn't hear the storm. Because yeah. you, you can't hear the sirens. If, if you're deaf, mm-hmm. you cannot actually hear the sirens that they have. And so you think about all these systems that are meant to keep people safe, but they're still excluding all of these people. Oh. Yeah. Have you shit time for a song? No, not quite yet. I think. No. I mean, I can talk more about this. Actually, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I think there's. I, think, I really think there's something to be said about this, particularly as it relates to COVID nineteen, showing how things, how much of an issue this can be, because you know now we're forced to work home, work at home yeah. nows. But there's been all these deaf people, I mean, not necessarily deaf people specifically, but people with disabilities, you know, who cannot go to work every day, asking, okay, can I tell it, can I work from home? Can I do all of these things? But all these companies only now, as soon as able-bodied people, you know, need to do this thing because of the pandemic, now we can work from home. Now we're finding out, finding yeah. all these ways to commute and not necessarily commute, but to just like telecommute and things like this. And there's always been a reason to, um Recline people, right? To not hire somebody because you you're missing an arm or you're missing a leg or because you're in a wheelchair, or, uh, and then you do not function in the office the way you should. And now it wouldn't even. I mean, if if you have an an interview now to work at a call center, then that's going to be on Zoom. Um, so they won't even see what your feet look like, and if you have two hands or just one, right? I, I think it really goes to show the re- how important accessibility is, because you know if you make something, you know, for example, curb cuts where on the sidewalk where it slopes down to the street when you're crossing the street, oh. you know, it helps everyone. It makes it easier for everyone to get around. So just make the world accessible in general. Oh. Yeah. Now it's time to go to a song. Um, <laughs> So uh, our next song is actually by Talking Heads. Uh, most people do not know this, but David Byrne, the the lead singer of Talking Heads, actually has ASD, autistic spectrum disorder. Um, there are actually a lot of Yay. people, a lot of people that now that autism is being more known and talked about more, a lot of people who have these neurodivergent these neurodivergences, which I will talk about in the more more in depth in the next section. So this is this must be the place, naive melody.
Hello, hello, hello. You are listening to Student Radio Maastricht on RTV Maastricht 107.5 FM. This is Aki, your host for today, talking about ableism with my three uh, friends, guests, you know, co-hosts, what have you. Whatever title we want. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. You are what you think you are. Um, so, yes. Um, so, yeah, I'm here with Katinka, Salome, and Kwesi. Hi. Hello. Yeah. So, we've been talking about ableism right now. We're going to talk, focus more on the aspect that is neurodiversity. Um, and so, neurodiversity was a, is a term coined in 1998 by Judy Singer in reference to autism and autism and and other related related conditions, you know. So it also includes things like ADHD. Sometimes people use it to include things like dyslexia, dyscalculia, etc. Um, and this term really used the social model because for a long time, um, it, autism was really much used, just done through the medical model, was looked at through that sense. And so, yeah, aut- autistic people were trying to for were kind of taught to just try to be more quote unquote normal as opposed to just accepting them for you know having a different kind of brain than most people have people with autism being somebody with autism yeah yeah i mean yeah i've heard that's something you mentioned that you mentioned that's something with a person first language right yeah it's also about like am i my disease or do you have a disease i mean obviously uh, these are not diseases but it's I don't know. I think it's very. Some people um, really go crazy about that. Like, do you say autistic person or a person with autism? Um, I would always say just check with the people that you're talking about what they like. For me, it wouldn't matter to me. Like, if you call me dyslectic or somebody with dyslexia, um, but for some things like with autism, it's it's a bigger thing and it has way more impact on your life. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, and that is something that I've personally learned that a lot of people like to say I'm a person with autism because it doesn't define who I am but it is part of who I am. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's funny because I've heard things on both sides from people with aut- yeah. from autistic people, people with autism. And so like there's some people who like who who prefer to be thought of as a person with autism and some people who are like no, I am an autistic person. Like yeah. my brain is this is this, you know. Yeah. But either way, it's very fascinating to look at neurodiversity and how the world just perceives of people in general. Um, particularly in media. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the media. <laughs> I mean, well, media in general, it's going to be it's be, it's going to be a more discussion. I'm going to talk more about media specifically and media portrayals of disability in the next section. But right now, I, I noticed that autistic people have often been kind of used as like the kind of are often kind of demonized for in a sense, particularly by organizations like Autism Speaks, where you see a lot of the rhetoric they use, it kind of centers the people who are caring, for, like the parents of people with autism, hmm. as opposed to centering the needs of this person. And so they portray autism as like, oh, this horrible thing, you know, beware, it can it's affect tough. your child, they're going to be blank and unloving, where autistic people really do not like this because they, see, they don't see autism as a hindrance for their life. Again, I think it's the world, it's more a problem of the world around them than for these people themselves. And um, yeah, as you know, I specialize in autism um, and I've worked with people with autism on so many different levels. So there are just people that live a normal life and discover that they have autism when they're like 30, 40, 50. Um, Whilst in Africa, I've also worked with kids that never speak um, because of their autism is on, on such a level that they're never li- never able to learn how to speak or communicate at all. 
Um, so also that I'm like, what what does autism mean? Like people have asked me this question so many times. Like, how do you know if somebody is autistic? Like, well, <laughs> get some spectrum. yeah, get some tests done on it. It's it's not like I cannot give you the recipe to autism. Like it doesn't work that way. Same thing with dyslexia, ADHD, ADD. It's with all these things. If you're missing an arm or a leg, you know, it it means something completely different for for one person than it does to the other. And I think that is also with organizations even the, with good intentions but that is kind of um yeah i think challenging and dangerous as well that you're painting a picture we're raising money for autism what does that mean um and there is where a lot of the times it can go wrong or maybe a bit sideways of what you're trying to do yes uh, so I stigmas. Yeah. yeah i think one thing that can also go wrong is people just making random assumptions about others and saying oh you know i think he's autistic you mm. you keep hearing that that sentence from people that just claim to be a doctor and yeah. claim <laughs> claim to know what your disorder is yeah exactly it's really really messed up and one thing that always just frustrated me particularly about last week's discussion on vaccines um oh my god don't get me started <laughs> yes i mean there was always the whole thing about about the whole myth that started by Andrew Wakefield and the the and his horrible studies that apparently concluded that vaccine vaccines cause autism. They don't. It's For a myth. Listening, it it's is a myth. myth. It is a lie. It is not true. But also, it frames it like this. But also, the the thing that ruined that frustrates me about this more than anything else is that it implies that it is worse to have autism than to potentially catch a preventable disease it's that you crazy. can die from. And it also tells you that it is that autism in itself is a, is a disease, right? It's something wrong because do not get this vaccine or you might get exactly. autism. Like, so what? Side you know effect. how fucking amazing a brain with autism can be? <laughs> do you have <laughs> any idea? <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's just, yes. So on this frustration yeah. <laughs> yes we're going to lead to our next song uh, which is called uh, my delirium by the artist lady hawk who also has asd autistic spectrum disorder hope you enjoy Still really think that on the cast is not possible. 
Hey guys. Um, as you can tell, this is a very passionate discussion. You might have heard some behind the scenes conversation. I guess we'll find out when you hear the recording. Um, because I forgot to turn off my microphone. Oops. But you are still listening to Student Radio Maastricht, uh, 107.5 FM. We are talking about ableism and all of this thing, all the things that it can pertain. Um, this section we want to really talk more about specifically about ableism in media. Um, because yeah, media it has a really big effect on how we perceive people in general, and so it's something that needs to be brought up. Specifically, with, with, as, it ter- as it pertains to ableism and disabilities, we find that a lot of these stories about disabled people are actually told by abled people for <sighs> abled people. And it just... Or the abled people are like super nice, giving the disabled people an opportunity and creating you know, shows about showing that people with Down syndrome are cute. Uh, it's also something I'm not a big fan of. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's not the best. It's not the best. And I find that very often it falls into the trope of inspiration porn. Right, yeah. And like, and yes, yes, we did have a porn episode in September that is not like actual porn, but the, like inspiration porn as in, you know, let's tell this, oh, yes, this disabled person, they're able to ride a bike. Yay! Wow. Good for you. How fantastic. No, it's not, it's not right. And also when I, you know, what I just mentioned about people with Down syndrome, I think there has been a really period here in at least in the Dutch media when everybody went crazy about people with Down syndrome and and I'm not saying that they don't deserve a spot on TV but I do feel that we need to protect these people and if it's on TV it's on YouTube it's everywhere people are gonna laugh at them as well Uh, and I think especially for for the people that they were targeting in these shows for a lot of them it doesn't really matter if they're on TV or not so you can you can make a show and have it for them have it record for them getting it on a DVD um, play it you know in in the places where they live on a big screen and stuff like that that is seriously the same thing for them doesn't matter if everybody in the Netherlands sees it yeah that's fair I think there's also something to be said about uh, normalizing it you know making people who may not never have access who never be exposed to people who have Down syndrome in this in this instance you know showing them that okay these are just normal people that live normal lives maybe are not able to do the exact same things that you do but you know they can they can, in theory, do the same. Th- yeah. Do do a lot of the same things if they are given the opportunity to. I think that's a very good point to show, mm-hmm. like that they uh, can frame their own image of themselves in the social media, so that we can see them the way that they want us to see them, and that no no one else decides about how they should look like in the media. Yeah. Yeah. So it has to be tasteful. Do yes. it do it right in yeah. a way that it's not. It really it when it does show that because there's also a lot of shows that do that right. You really see what the, their personalities are, what their goals in life are, what their dreams are, um, and I think that is beautiful. But don't turn it into like a first date show where it's just funny and we're gonna have the shortcuts yes. on YouTube in five minutes and that's that's not right. It's really problematic. It's also yeah. important not to generalize them because I think yeah. each of them has their own um, individual personality as well. So it's also important not to generalize people with um, Down syndrome as being this one type of behavior. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, and I think one thing that one one film that recently came out that really exemplifies this is the new movie that Sia made, Music. Y'all cannot say that yeah, I do not love... Yeah, how was it, Zaki? <laughs> y'all cannot say that I don't love our SRM because I watched this movie in order to do research for this episode and this might be the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, go watch it. No, don't. No. <laughs> 
save yourselves. I watched it so you do not have to. And there's, I mean, even beyond the ableism, it's just a bad movie. It's, it relies on a lot of cliches, but there were, even leading up to the, the to this movie coming out, there was a lot of criticism because, for one thing, the the so the main character, the supposed main character, music, who is someone who is non-verbally, who is autistic and non-verbal, um, is played by a um, able body, an able, an able actress. Yeah, why? Yeah, Maddie Ziegler, um, the the person that Sia always collaborates with, that is played by her, and. The, the the reason that Sia gave was that apparently first she had um, apparently first she had cast a nonverbal actress for this role, but it was proving to be too much, and so she ended up having Ma- Ma- uh, Maddie Ziegler play this role instead. See, and then you're just proving the point. Exactly. That exactly. you are trying not to make in your movie. Exactly, exactly that, and then even then, you know, it's just a very stereotypical portrayal. Apparently, Maddie Ziegler, in preparation for this role, um, watched you know. YouTube videos of autistic people having meltdowns and things like this, so she could try to portray it correctly. But even during the filming, she was she was nervous about being about seeming about seeming like because she didn't want it to seem like it was making fun of autistic people. Um, and Sia said, "No, no, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I'll protect you." That that's wrong. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm no. just calling it wrong. Yes, no, it's not. Uh, and yes, because the same thing equates to the point that you just made about people with Down syndrome, and I, I there's you can say the sa- same thing about any anybody that has something going on if you want to call it disability or not um if we talk about autism you know at some point rain man came out and everyone's like oh okay so this is what a person mm-hmm. with autism looks like and no yeah there's so this, many different kinds i know people with autism that never have mental breakdowns uh, and me not having autism i have them every day so <laughs> you know it's just it, it does uh, yeah and i think that actually speaks to what you're saying is really speaks to I think what's the the biggest issue of this movie that is the biggest issue with portrayals of disabled people in culture in general is that the movie is not really about her the movie is about her sister who is the caregiver and mm. really the and really music the character is just kind of as a tool it's kind of seen as like a tool to a tool for this caregiver's personal growth and it's just really much you know, she's not a character in herself. She's right. a symbol of someone who has autism, who who has to be taken care of and help then person, you know, become an actual, you know, whole human being. So how many, um, air quote, disabilities are represented in this movie? Um, well, there is this, this one disability, but it also is portrayal of someone who is recovering from, who's a recovering addict, which is also pretty stereotypical portrayal. Um, there also is portrayal of someone who has HIV, which is just, I mean, it's, everything in this movie is very much ham-fisted. It kind of feels like she's trying to fit all of these different issues into one film, mm. and it just does not work and comes off as just, you know, almost like an after-school spe- special type thing. Right, yeah. It's just, it just really just did not, do what it was trying to do. Yeah, it doesn't do. do anybody justice that way, right? Exactly. Also for caregivers, because we just had to talk about dementia, and I think caregivers are a very big part of anybody's life, but also if you talk about people with uh, disabilities or people that do not fit into the regular society, there's always caregivers involved, if it's professionals or friends or uh, family, um, but these are very important people as well. Um, yeah, and it also doesn't do justice to Yeah, them. and I think, you know, of course, because, because these characters are important, but if you're going to have a movie about 
that you say that you're that you're marketing as being about autism in general and is to trying to be it make it as a gift to the autistic community and their caregivers and then center the caregiver and have the autistic character as just you know there it's <laughs> not really it's it's just it's mm. it, it, it really just it's it really goes against your entire intention i would say watch uh i think it's called x plus y I have not it's seen a, it. It's an amazing movie. It was actually the first movie that I actually cried because I don't really, I try to when I get this, you know, <laughs> I almost get there, but I never really do because it's still a movie. But this one made me cry my balls out. So, uh, yeah, um, I'll, uh, I'll look it up and send it to you. It's about a, a kid, um, a boy that has autism and his dad dies and then he goes through this tough period of dealing with that and he's not really connected to his mom because his dad was mainly taking care of him um and then yeah gets through that with the whole puberty thing girlfriend thing you know all those uh, all those things from his perspective and i think it's a really beautiful movie nice another movie that i know of that i have not seen yet um i believe it's a short film called loop uh i can't remember if it was made by disney or pixar but this is a movie about a, a film about uh, about a nonverbal autistic person who uses like a personal communication device mm -hmm. Um, but the person who plays this person actually is a nonverbal autistic person, and it was actually awesome. really praised by, for its portrayals by numerous organizations who work with you know the autistic community. Oh. And so, can I say one more movie? Oh yes, please do. <laughs> uh, I think I think it's called O. It's about this like it's also an animated movie with like these green characters uh, or purple. I don't, I don't remember. But this was a movie that when I worked in Africa with the children with autism, they loved that movie because they really identified with the main character. So everybody uh, in, uh, in that movie is kind of like I don't know. This is like a strict society thing, and the main character he's like super happy, and then he has a name O. Um, and then in the beginning of the movie, you see like that is what he identifies as because every time he walks into a room being super happy, oh, wow. everybody's like, oh. And he's like, yeah, my name is O. <laughs> it's so funny, but him being different and being the happy one and the adventurous one, uh, super awesome movie. Another another character that that a lot of I know I know a lot of autistic people really identify with. Um, if you're a fan of Star Trek, uh, the character. No, I'm not. <laughs> well, I know you're a Star Wars fan, Katinka. All right, I'll, I'll put off my headphones. You go. But um, if you're a fan of Star Trek, uh, not Star Wars, um, then the character Data. Uh, while this character is technically an android, a lot of autistic people really identified with this character because it kind of the manner it kind of got the mannerisms. They, they saw themselves in a lot of the mannerisms that this character had, and then the actor. Finding out about this was like, oh, I can kind of lead into this, but didn't tell the directors because then it could have been potentially marketed as like, ah, oh, yes, right. it's an autistic character. But it kind of meant more, it kind of became more meaningful because it was more organic that way. Kind of the organic, the, the organic nature of this character. But yeah, on that note, I think it's good to lead to our next song, which you chose, Katinka. Uh, this oh, is yes, yes, the Dutch one. It's a Dutch song. Um, yeah, so this is a song that was written especially for differently developed people. So people with disabilities, uh, f physically, but also psychologically, on whatever makes you different uh, and not able to function in our society. Uh, it's from Carré Confiture. It's called Gek of Geniaal, which translates to crazy or genius. Uh, and I think that's uh, definitely a good message to send out there. That You can call me crazy, but you just don't know how genius I am. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Dat 
Stefani. Ik sorteer alles mooi per kleur, laat de deur steeds op een keer. Ik kan helemaal niet zingen, maar toch doe ik het hier. En als de trein er is, dan zie ik een terrorist in elke passagier. Ben ik gek of geniaal, heel de wol of allemaal die verouderd en die kan beter zijn. Gek of geniaal, zijn we dat niet allemaal die ver excentriek dan schone schijn. Student Radio Maastricht. That was Heck of Genial uh, by Carré Confiture. And yes, we're now reaching the end of our show on ableism. This discussion has been interesting, I think. Yeah. I think we agree a lot for, I think so for a discussion, actually. <laughs> I didn't know we were having a discussion, Suki. I'm sorry. I mean, it's okay. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Um, but do you have that, like, especially at the end of the show, what do you think we can all do in order to make the world more accessible? Don't be stupid. Um, I think to make the world more accessible, well, one, I know that we don't like rules, but if we, for instance, very simple, stick to all the rules in traffic, that will make it so much easier for people that don't hear that well, don't see that well, people that maybe have a lower IQ or process information slower to be able to go somewhere on their own. Uh, for instance, I know somebody, he, he doesn't see a lot. Uh, and he has um, yeah, some problems, autism is one of them, and some mental disabilities, he would be capable of going to his work on his own if people would stop at um, 
crossways, you know, zebra, zebras, yeah. zebras, yeah. Uh, crosswalks. Crosswalks. If people would just, if we could trust people to stop at crosswalks when he's there, he could just walk around town on his own. And now he cannot because it's dangerous because nobody cares in traffic. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> on the top of my mind. I have a list though. <laughs> I think maybe one thing that's also important is patience. So if you see that someone is maybe not able to do something the way that you do it, it doesn't mean that it's the wrong way, but maybe that you should just be open to how they do it and also patient if it takes longer. Exactly. I think one thing that we all can do in general, like particularly on social media, if you're making a post on you know your Instagram story or a video or anything, Add captions. It helps everyone. Me, my brain, and my ears are not fans. That's something that's just ADHD, you know? It just, it happens sometimes. It's very ironic since I'm a music major. <laughs> but captions, it just helps everyone. Some people just do not process their process speech as quickly as others, and captions just helps it become more understood. Little things like that. But Katinka, since you also work in social work, what can people who may be disabled do in order to and like particularly people who are in school, how can they? What can they do to, in order to make the, to get their needs met? Yeah, I think definitely reach out to somebody. So if you're uh, in, and it doesn't matter, elementary, high school, um, if you're here at Zuid or in Maastricht University, reach out to like a dean or somebody, or even a teacher, just somebody that works <laughs> at your school, um, and tell them what's going on. Then there there are so, especially here in the Netherlands, there are so many facili- facilities that you can get but they're not as easy, accessible maybe um, as they could be. So they're there, but you have to ask and you have to stand up for yourself, uh, talk to the people around you as well, talk to your friends, classmates, um, you know, just family maybe to share what you're struggling with, what you are looking for, uh, so that you can find like the right way there. Also, like we said in the last episode, um, your doctor is always a good one to go to, like your GP. Um, to just say this is what I'm struggling with what are the steps within the system that I should take um, because then you also know that's a key from your personal experience uh, last year with ADHD there there is a, a path to walk but it's just a bit messy because you know Exactly. Money, bureaucracy. We we all know why. <laughs> indeed. But, but indeed. there is a lot of help. And if you get that support, then um, that sometimes like life gets so much easier and it makes you so much more capable to do the things that you want to do that you already know that you can, but you just need to do them in a way that is efficient for you and that works for you. Um, and as soon as you find that way, like a whole new world opens up for you as well. Exactly. And, uh, and if the world doesn't want to adjust to you, then create your own way of doing it but don't adjust to the world there's no uh, no point in that yes 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 and to end this i also want to um, give you a few links if you're interested um for one not autistic autism speaks but the autistic self self advocacy the autistic self advocacy <laughs> network um which you can find at autisticadvocacy.org and this um just an organization that helps autistic people really advocate for themselves as yep. opposed to relying on other people um there's also the national association for the deaf which was actually created as a result of the Milan conference that i referenced earlier in oh. order to help you know manual education for deaf people and Particularly in the Netherlands, there's also the Dutch Coalition on Disability and Development, which is an organization here in the Netherlands to help people who are disabled. And this really is just how, how we are ending our show today. Yeah, yeah and I just just a little shout out to ourselves. Like, if you are struggling with something, or a friend of yours around is struggling with something, um, and you are looking for support but you don't know where to go, where to find it, you can also always just message Student Radio Maastricht. We're on Facebook, Instagram. 
Gmail, just find us anywhere. We uh, know a lot of people. I think our whole community is built of people that are not <laughs> standard in our society. So uh, we, we definitely can help you out as well. Exactly. And so to close you out for today, um, we have Taking Control by Maruk and Lachi. Lachi is actually a musician who is legally blind. And I really hope you enjoy the song. I think, Katinka, you will really like the song. It sounds like something that's really your style. I love it. (laughs) So um, thank you, RTV, for hosting us. And this is our show for today. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.